Robins at the Gate with Sky Sports and Five Lives Michelle Owen. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Get £20 in free bets when you join today and bet £10 on any sport. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. New customers only. Minimum first bet of £10 at odds of evens or greater from a UK debit card. For £5 free bets valid for seven days. Full terms at mansionbet.com. 18 plus. Be gamble aware. Welcome along to Robins at the Gate. Lovely to have you with us. And I'm joined by Greg McGregor, as always, who's been putting in the miles this week. We're going to reflect on the Millwall game, who stood out amongst the youngsters, and there were a few, to be fair. Looking forward to the FA Cup fifth round and that tie. And should Bristol City be eyeing the quarterfinal now as well? We're also going to briefly hear from Mark Ashton after Gregor's stellar work and his chat with him this week. We'll talk transfers and recalls, and we'll preview Huddersfield and Dar. Two. So, Gregor, uh, are you okay? I think you've been across the country and back twice this week. Um, of course, the Norwich game, which was really disappointing, but Mill was worth the journey, wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely was. But you're right; I've been clocking up the miles on the road. The Millwall game certainly was. That was outstanding. And we'll come on to that. The Norwich game, not so much. And yeah, long, long old drive to Carroll Road and back, but. Hey, that's the job. So, uh, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, um, pretty much the less said about uh, Norwich, the better, really. It was really uninspiring and, and, and not a great performance at all. And in fact, confidence wasn't high going into Millwall off the back of that. But Dean Holden made changes and those changes worked. And we saw the potential that this team could have as they really, they really shone at Millwall, didn't they? They did. Loads and loads of positives from this game, so many. And I just wonder if, I mean, the future of this team is probably dependent on the likes of the academy guys coming through who've really had great breakthrough seasons this year. The likes of Tyreek Backins and Zach Vine, Antoine Semenyo. And they're just getting better and better from playing and playing. And they will have ups and downs, they will have dips, and they will, uh, yeah, they might not be the best players in the league right now. But you never know in the future they might they might progress and progress to the point where they're they're right up there. So yeah, there, there was as you say there was a lot of promise shown in this game, and I think this was probably the best away performance of the season. It's up there with the Cardiff game. Did you? Did, I don't know. Can't remember if you did the Cardiff game, Michelle, um, or Stoke away. They're, they're the two probably standout results in the championship. Yep. This was obviously the cup. But still, and, and I know Millwall did make changes and they've got a horrific home record this season, only two wins. And they're on a, yeah, not, well, actually they won in midweek, didn't they? So, yeah, it just all came together. Started a little bit slowly, but some of the football they played was magnificent. And, yes, yeah, so many great displays all across the pitch. The clean sheet, the attacking, loads of chances created. If I'm being picky, maybe Millwall had a few too many shots, but... This this was, yeah, without doubt. I've seen some fans say the performance of the season, definitely the away performance for me. Yeah, and to go to Millwall, OK, the Den has got the fans at the moment, but to go to Millwall and have such an emphatic win was so impressive. And just to mention for some of your player ratings yesterday that I read, gave Naki Wells a nine, and I feel like we should we should give him some credit in this game. As Gigi, again, we're going to come on to his situation shortly. Casey Palmer was influential. Zach Viner, like you mentioned there, Let's talk about Antoine Semenyo because we've watched him this season and when you see him up close and personal, you can see how desperate 
he is to score. And actually, he hasn't had as many opportunities. I mean, a few spring to mind, but he hasn't had as many because he hasn't been playing as an out-and-out forward. He's been in midfield some of the time too. What was so great about him yesterday, apart from that goal and that wonderful celebration, which hopefully we'll see more of? Yeah, great celebration, wasn't it? Impressive stuff. I think it was the way he kept going during the game because first half, he actually had some really great positions um, that, that he found himself in with the ball, attacking the Millwall defence. And there was one counter-attack, actually, and it was right after Jeju had scored. Millwall had their best little spell where they, they pegged back City for a couple of minutes. They almost scored from a corner. Tommy Rowe headed it off the line. And then Palmer released Semenyo on the break. And, and, and Semenyo did brilliantly, skipping away from a couple of challenges. And then they suddenly, it was three against one. And he absolutely butchered it by making the wrong decision. And I thought um, that maybe sums up his game a little bit at times this season, that there's so much promise there and, and so much could come about from it. But it's just not happening at the last. But he kept going and he and he was such a, a pain for all the Millwall defence, really testing uh, Romeo on one side and Ferguson on the other. And yeah, he obviously collects that Wells port pass, which was just brilliant from Wells. He whacks that first time straight to Semenyo. He then drives inside. I think Cooper outpaces him and great left foot finish past poor old Frankie Fielding who didn't yeah. have the best of days no. in goal for Millwall. But yeah, just capped his display and I really hope that he can push on from here. That is his third goal of the season. Hopefully he can now go on and get one in the league as well and it's been a great campaign for Semenyo. I, I'm really excited about him, but but uh, a lot of players, other players too. Chalk and cheese, really, compared to the game that you and I saw at Ashton Gate against Mill when they lost two 0 in December. That was that was pretty dire. And um, Gary Rout was almost jovial in his remarks after that. He just knew how to play against them. Do you reckon those comments would have maybe added a bit of fuel to the fire in this one? Because. Dean Holden set the team up to be direct, to attack, didn't he? And, and is that what you, you saw? Is that a fair assessment from, from all accounts and from what I've saw? Because even though Millwall ever so slightly edged possession, Bristol City actually had a fair amount of, of shots. They did, yeah. They, did. they had a lot of chances. Uh, as I said before, they, they were a little bit slow to get going. But second half, they, there was really only one winner. I had... Um, Ray Parler sat in front of me in the press box there, the former Arsenal midfielder, and he was very complimentary on the radio about about City in the second half, saying how they basically ran the game, had so many chances, deserved their goals. And yeah, you know what? I actually hadn't thought of that at all, but I think you're right. Maybe, maybe Dean Holden has used that sort of thing as motivation, maybe not necessarily to the players, but for himself and... You're right, they, they did a number on Millwall by the end. I, I really got the impression that they that City thought, um, thought we can get at this Millwall side, we can press them high because we don't think they're, one, all that confident at home, and two, technically all that, and that you might be able to nick, nick the ball high up the pitch. And they did do that, and they were just so good in, in their all of their attacking play. I want to give a couple of shout-outs to Palmer, who... Yeah. He was very good again, but he probably wasn't as outstanding as other players. But it's more his consistency of the last three or four games. Even at Norwich, I thought Casey at times probably looked City's best player just for a couple of minutes here or there and probably came up with their best attacking play when, when he had a shot deflected and Adelica nick, uh, nipped in and almost converted past Cruel. 
And also Backinson and Viner, though, both those two guys, hugely influential in the middle of the pitch and both really, really doing well there. Maybe Backinson has been a little bit up and down recently, but he was back in top form here. And Viner, there were just so many great little touches here and there. He did this brilliant back uh, drag with his heel to get past um, one of the Millwall midfielders at one point. Unfortunately, he put his pass straight, straight out of play right after, but it was a lovely <laughs> piece of individual skill. Yeah, and, and um, great and yeah. great to see um Fine just stepping up like that in midfield. Um, just the defence saw more playing. Um, why was he partnered with Callas, do you think? I think, um, speaking to Dean Holden after the Norwich game, he said that basically he recognises they've got all this run of fixtures coming up. They've got another game now, obviously, because they've got to go to Sheffield in the second week of February, I believe. Yeah, 10th of February, yeah. Yeah, for first week they've got Brentford away, haven't they? That game's been rescheduled for then on the Wednesday now on Sky Sports. And basically they've got a game every three days now for the next, for the next, yeah, six, uh, well, three, four weeks at least. Um, and it's yeah, going to be another one of those runs where they've got seven or eight games. I just think with Alfie Mawson, it might have been a little bit of a risk to to play in consecutive matches back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Instead, I, I thought he did the right thing here, gave Moore some minutes. And I, I thought Taylor Moore, again, it wasn't his best game either, but he did enough. They obviously got the clean sheet, second one in three games. There were a couple of little dodgy moments from Moore. Not, I mean, that's maybe being a little bit harsh on him. There was one bad back oh, pass. We, saw, we sort of, we, we expect them a little bit, unfortunately. I know that sounds harsh, yeah, but we do. He's got... He's got a few bits to iron out of his game. I think at times he's a little bit maybe uh, outmuscled by opposition players, but I think over time that will he'll, come. He'll just yeah, he'll, he'll get the body strength, but also he'll read the game a little bit quicker to be able to get a shoulder in first before the opposition player. So, but yeah, hey, he, he did enough, and they got the clean sheet here, didn't they? And um, against some decent players, although the Millwall attack did look a, a little bit dysfunctional. Yeah, plenty of positives to take. And eyeing up that FA Cup fifth round tie against Sheffield United, you know, they, they only edged past Plymouth Argyle, to be honest with you. They weren't that convincing. And Argyle pushed them all the way. They, they got a goal back in the last 15 minutes for Sheffield United were uncomfortable. Bristol City looking at this on the 10th of February to go there and perhaps how wonderful to have an FA Cup quarter final tie to look forward to. Or are we getting ahead of ourselves? I think you're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. Although, <laughs> what I, what, yes, it would be brilliant to make the quarterfinals. I really hope they can get a result, Dean can get a result up there. The, immediately, I was thinking of, and I know a lot of fans also mentioned this, is the last time they went to Sheffield United and Andy Weiman hit a hat-trick up there. And it's probably the best away day in, in the championship I can remember of a City game. I know they've had some great results along the, the way, beating the likes of Ipswich and Sunderland, where they hadn't won for a long time. QPR as well. But that one really stands out. In fact, I think that season, they beat Sheffield United both home and away, and then Sheffield United were promoted. So they don't have too bad a, a record against the Blades. So, yeah, maybe something there to, to look forward to. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Let's let's be optimistic. And another away trip for you, Gregor, to look forward to, those miles on the motorway. Um, OK, coming up after the break, we're going to hear from Mark Ashton. We'll talk transfers and recalls and look ahead to Huddersfield and Derby. Robins at the Gate. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Silvercare are looking for people of all ages and backgrounds who care. This could be you or someone you know. Rated outstanding by CQC, Silvercare are a family-run care organisation supporting adults with learning disabilities within supported living and in the community across Bristol and South Gloucestershire. Full training is provided along with other career development opportunities and an ever-growing portfolio of staff perks focused on well-being. Get in touch today via our website or search Silvercare on Facebook. Robins at the Gate with Michelle Owen. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Welcome back. So Gregor has done some stellar work, it must be said, in, in finally getting to chat to Mark Ashton, Gregor. Um, just before we, we hear about your chat with him, let's hear a little bit of that chat right now. Are we perfect? No, we're not. I think we get more decisions right than we get wrong or have done in the last last four and a half, five years. We're now a fairly consistent top 10 championship club who needs to break through into the glass scene and into the Premier League. Um, we've built what I think is, what you sit in every week, is I think it's a world-class stadium. Um, I can't wait to take and show the training ground because that isn't, that isn't national standard. It's in, it, again, the Lansdowne has been phenomenal. It, they, you know, in COVID... We've had no revenue for nine, ten months. Neither has rugby, neither has basketball. We've lost the concerts. We've lost all the non-match day revenue. It, it has really financially hurt. But did they say stop on the training ground? They said, no, carry on and build it. Um, and it'll be finished in the next five, six weeks. Um, and I, can't, I think when you see it, you'll, I'm hoping you'll go, bloody hell, because it is in... It, it's impressive. And that takes us to the next level of that helps us recruit players. That that helps us develop the academy talent, the 20, the Yusuf Menos, your Taylor Moores, your Zach Miners. Um, because Steve's adamant that that's the future of the club and that's the way they want to see it develop. Yeah, he's not, he's not wrong. Bristol City have always, in recent years, been looking to the academy. And of course, better facilities are going to contribute to that for sure, Greg. Also, that was just a little snippet of your your long chat with him that you had last week. And of course, he's going to sell the dream and sell the vision. And of course, he's right to compliment what the Lansdowns have been doing. They haven't held back in trying to help Bristol City go forward in the middle of a pandemic. And that's definitely to be praised. So how, how great was it to finally get a chat with Mark Ashton? Because I know it's something you've wanted to do for a while. Yes, something we've been talking about with the club for a while. So it was great to get this in the bag. And yeah, I, I think Mark Ashton came over really well. I, I think from what I've seen, from reaction from fans has been largely positive. And yeah, I, I thought he made some really good points, to be honest. A lot of stuff that I didn't know. I'm sure a lot of other fans didn't know. Um, some explanations on things here and there. Obviously, I asked him about the hot topic stuff we've we've discussed in recent weeks, such as the injury problems. And fair play to him, he didn't hide away from anything. He he admitted that they've got some things right and wrong uh, along the way. That, in his words, I think exactly he said, 
Um, they haven't been perfect, and they they need to improve in certain areas. He was very clear on on recruitment and um, explaining that they need to get that better, but that they have had successes. And I didn't really disagree with anything too much that he said, and I, I thought his explanations did make a lot of sense on the injuries in particular. Something that we discussed in 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 depth, didn't we? Last or the last couple of weeks, and. He said that the club have, have looked into it. Dean Holden have said the same recently, didn't he? That they, you can't get away from the fact when your club has got the most injuries in the division, and it's something that they've they're examining. Um, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But it was a good point that obviously the training ground isn't quite ready yet, and they're on the move there. I, what he said about training in the in the tent there and with limited facilities was was good, I thought, because that actually tied in with something somebody had said to me behind the scenes about them, you know, all the guys there um, doing their rehab in, in the tent. And it's not ideal. And they are caught between, um, yeah, moving training grounds at probably the worst time with all the COVID regulations and everything that, that he explained. So, yeah, there was a lot of really interesting stuff there. If anybody hasn't read it, then I really do recommend um, going through it and I, and I also thought it, it did a lot of good for Mark Ashton actually because we don't actually know a huge deal about Mark and he's probably the most one of the most important people at the club um, he, he, he's a guy who Lee Johnson called uh, in his coach's voice piece the other week he said he was a, a fantastic CEO he's a guy who's very successful Mark Ashton because if you think about it not only is he the Bristol City CEO he's, he has a place I think on the EFL board mm-hmm. a very um, uh, a seat of responsibility there so yeah good to hear from him um, I, I'm, I'm hopeful we might hear from him a bit more often but we'll, we'll see what happens and and I thought the fans um, yeah were, were positive and, and, and received it pretty well so yeah some good stuff there yeah and about just to, to finish on that on your chat with him about Famara Gigi, he wants him to say, doesn't he? So, what's going on? Like, why does Gigi not want to stay? Do you think because the club is saying they want him to stay? Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because we had um, Gary Weaver, I think, from Sky Sports the, the week before, giving an update during the, the Norwich game, actually, yeah. wasn't it? And saying that he's spoken to Mark Ashton as well, and that basically Bristol City were open-minded on on keeping. Deju, or basically, it sounded to me like they're they're not going to accept a, a nominal bid for him, or something that doesn't recognise his, his full value. And it's a difficult situation now. It's going to be a very interesting watch this next week as to whether any clubs do come in for him late. I don't think that's going to happen. From everything we hear, we we believe it's going to be fairly quiet around the championship, and that might mean that Deju ends up staying until the summer and. Then yeah, I, I mean he's got these offers from Bristol City, and just got to hope that he decides to see his. Well, he, he said himself that he sees his future at Bristol City, but whether he actually does um, st- stick by his word and, and, and follow that up and sign a new deal, or whether he, yeah, he's, he basically then does a U-turn and, and goes elsewhere, and obviously there will be interest from other clubs because he's a, he's a very good player. And we'll have to see how it pans out. 
uh, just before we come on to more transfers and recalls, um, some some stuff has come out about the finances of Bristol City, which we we heard Mark Ashton reference there, Gregor. And of course, it's been a year of of terrible financial hits for so many people. And even wealthy clubs like Bristol City with wealthy owners aren't immune to that, are they? No, absolutely not. This was their latest uh, financial results being released for 2019-20 and the club essentially announced a £10 million loss, which I actually don't think is too bad given that they've, as, as Mark Ashton was saying there, has lost, the club has lost so much income from uh, not being able to stage um, hospitality events, concerts, etc. Ashton Gate, no crowds at games, etc. So, like many, many, well, pretty much every club has lost income, haven't they? And off the back of that, that probably that probably explains a little bit about why they've made certain decisions that they have done. And yeah, the the financial landscape remains tough for for clubs outside the Premier League or without Premier League parachute payments. Um, the only thing I would add is that I always look at the wage levels of a club. That I always think that's a key indicator of where they should be. And Bristol City's wage levels places them bang on mid-table in the championship. Mm. So I, I think that's where they, the club should be. And they're probably punching a little bit above their weight, which is, which is a good sign. Yeah, and, and thank goodness really for Lansdowns as well, studying the ship. And like we said, they're, they're still continuing to invest into important things like the the training ground, which is great. Okay, moving on to where we're up to with transfers and, and recalls. Where are we up to with that? Have Bristol City got that eye on anyone? And what's the latest with incomings and outgoings? We were told to expect a quiet window, weren't we? Yeah, it was interesting actually that Mark Ashton explained that there were two... Premier League loans that they had looked at this window but they hadn't gone gone through because of injury at those clubs and they needed those players in the end so not too sure who they were or even what positions It's intriguing but, isn't it because we'll never know It is <laughs> it is yeah but, but there is one story today actually I want to point to which is that Alan Nixon has or the Sun has reported that Bristol City have made a loan offer for Tom Pierce of Wigan Okay, and I haven't had a ch- chance to check this one out and if it is correct, but my spidey sense or my gut <laughs> feeling is is, is that the, the, that one might be true because Bristol City were linked with him last summer. So I think they he is a player they're aware of. He does fit the profile of everything they look to. He's got, I mean, he's had England recognition at youth level. He's the right age and they are short of left-backs campering. It's going to be out probably oh, for most of the season. Can now. you believe um, it? Oh, had had surgery this weekend, and yeah, Callum O'Dowder isn't expected back for a long time because he could fill in, and they're a bit dependent on Tommy Rowe. So it looks like they're either going to recall George Nurse from Walsall, although Dean Holden said that he's carrying an injury as well, actually, at the moment um, over at the Saddlers, or maybe they're going to go into the market and bring in somebody like Tom Pierce. So yeah, that could be that could well be one to keep an eye on re- regarding incomings. Yeah, we'll check back with you next week on that one then. Right, two big games. Oh, they're all big, aren't they? Let's be honest, in the championship. First up is Huddersfield. Uh, Huddersfield, a team who it's hard to know what to expect from, to be honest with you, because sometimes they'll pull out 
surprising results uh, this season. And sometimes you'll think, like the Blackburn Rovers win, maybe some didn't expect a few weeks ago. And then they lose to Millwall. But then Bristol City lost to Millwall, didn't they? Um, not in the best of form of late. If you look at the table, although it's sometimes hard to read into the table, they're 14th. They are five points behind Bristol City, having played a game more. Um, from what you've seen of Huddersfield this season, Gregor, are they something that Bristol City should worry about when they're playing at home? They've had some strange results, Huddersfield. They're mm. one of those teams for me that it seems to be which which day you catch them on um, means you can always possibly get a result against them unless, well, um, if, if you time it right. But certainly the game up there was a, a bit of an odd one. Bristol City were on the back foot for a lot of the, the first half, but then obviously the game changed when Semenya came off the bench and they, they probably deservedly won it 2-1 in the end. And that was a big result, I thought, for Dean Holden. And I actually do feel confident about that one, that Bristol City can certainly get something from it. If not the win, then at least a draw. But given that City are actually in some pretty good form now, that was their fourth win in the last six games, actually, the weekend. Yeah, it feels like it's suddenly just turned again, doesn't it? I mean, I know Bristol City went to be streaky under Lee Johnson, but I swear they just can't can't shake it. (laughs) They're either in great form or terrible form. But I think, yeah, I think that's the championship as a whole a little bit, though. I, I mean, with Middlesbrough sort of losing today against Blackburn and at home and, and yeah, Reading, who did they... Oh, they drew with Stoke, didn't they? And yeah, I, no, I hear what you're saying. Are... I think it's the elite in the championship don't suffer so much, mm. like Norwich. And Swansea have been pretty formidable and Brentford with that unbeaten run. But the teams that just want to flirt with the playoffs and get into them, I think you're spot on. Because... There's, so, there's always so many unusual results in the Championship and sometimes if things aren't going your way, they just don't seem to go your way at all, do they? Um, so I think yeah, I mean, spot on with that. Huddersfield have beaten Watford recently, haven't they? And mm-hmm. and, and and Blackburn. So they, they obviously can beat those um, well good teams. So City are obviously going to have to watch, watch themselves on, on Tuesday or Wednesday. I forget which night it is. It's Tuesday, yeah. But, no, it's, it's all right. Understandable that you're losing track. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do fancy City to get something in. Yeah, and then it's Derby on Saturday away. Um, Derby lost uh, lost to Bournemouth, sorry, lost to Rotherham before two really impressive wins. First of all, they beat Bournemouth, which no one saw coming. And then they beat QPR, which mm, maybe you could have seen Mark Warburton had just a Two wins on the bounce with QPR, but then Derby went to uh, went to QPR and got that win. <laughs> they never win by many normally, apart from that stand-up result against Birmingham. Wayne Rooney is their permanent manager now, but there's still no word on the takeover. So it did seem quite odd that he was appointed permanent manager when you know, there's no imminent imminent sign of of a new owner. They're coming off the back of those two big results and they don't have a midweek fixture this week, Gregor. So they'll be full of confidence on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I see that as a really, really tough game. I, I, ideally, you wouldn't want to go there just now, I, I think. So I think City are really going to... Well, that could be a pivotal result for them. If they went there and they managed to get a win off Huge. the back of a good result... At Huddersfield, then suddenly we're talking about sort of six games in eight where they've got had good results, and 
looking at it now, they're only six points off the top six still, but with a game in hand. So, yeah, maybe it's not completely over regarding the, the top six, but... You're changing your tune? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. But, but yeah, but all I'm saying is anything can happen in football. But, but yeah, no, not to get away from it, that will be such a tough game at Pride Park. It was obviously very close to Ashton Gate. One goal settled it. Famara Jeju um, with the winner. Rooney seems to be, be getting a, a tune from his team there at the moment. And and maybe they've turned the corner themselves. So I think it'll be really tough. And I'd probably, if you, if, I'd probably go for a draw right now at the moment because City are in good form. They're in good form. And uh, something's got to give. Yeah, exciting to see who... Dean Holder gives the nod to as well. But for me, undroppable at the moment is Zach Viner in midfield. So hopefully we'll see him play well in both those games. Um, Greg, well, thanks as always for your time. Fantastic work on that Mark Ashton chat. I thoroughly enjoyed reading that on the Bristol Live website. still up there if you would like to read it. And yeah, Bristol City, as Greg said, their fixture list and their schedule over the next couple of weeks is, well, next sort of three weeks is intense to say the least. So we'll join Gregor again when we can catch him between all of these games. We'll aim for early next week before he travels back down the M4 to Brentford and then we'll both be taking in the seven-side derby against Cardiff. Really looking forward to that. Mick McCarthy now in charge of Cardiff, of course. Um, thanks for listening and a big welcome to our brand new partner, Mansion Bet. Have a look at their Twitter. They're giving away a signed Bristol City shirt as part of their new partnership with us. We would love you uh, to get involved with that. Head to our Twitter, Robin's at the gate, all the details there of how you can win a signed 2020-21 Bristol City home shirt. Thanks for listening. Uh, please rate, review us and subscribe too. Robin's at the gate. Proudly sponsored by Mansion Bet, your favourite place to bet. Always bet on red with Mansion Bet. 18 plus, be gamble aware. Please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts.